a lot of people will go into that meeting and say, uh, you know, hey, we pay two points and 12% to our lenders. Are you interested in that? This person might not even know what a point is. This, this, this is the House Flipping HQ, HQ podcast. Now, let's get flipping with your host, Justin Williams. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope you're having an amazing week. Justin Williams here. And today we have a special episode for you. If you listened to last week's episode, uh, we played the presentation that Bill Allen gave at Flip Hacking Live 2016. So today we're going to play the episode that uh, the presentation that Bill Allen gave at Flip Hacking Live 2017. So in last week's episode, you heard how Bill Allen went from zero to 70 deals in 12 months. Now you're going to hear what he did 12 months after that, how he went from 70 to 100 and oh, was it like 100 and a lot of deals, like 180 deals or something like that. And then this year when you come to Flip Packing Live, uh, if you haven't yet met Bill, if you already know Bill, great, you'll be able to hang out with him again, uh, but you'll be able to hear how he has accomplished what he is doing this year, uh, where he'll do, um, I think he's on track to do like... 250 plus deals plus he's hired a COO he's hired someone who basically runs that entire operation for him which is why he's able to help me a lot um, with the uh, HFHQ the house of being HQ uh, education business and everything we have going on here so um, anyway it's pretty exciting hope you guys in, enjoy that um, if you have not yet purchased your tickets to Flip Hacking Live 2018, go to fliphackinglive.com now. The seats are very limited, and we're going to start promoting very heavily next week. We got Andrew, my man, over here, sitting here, just moved in from Florida. He's my new full-time video uh, videographer and editor, so he's working right now on a really cool video that we're going to be putting out for you guys uh, to, to promote Flip Hacking Live. Um, but anyway, lots of exciting things going on. We're really going to be pushing that out here shortly. Our seating is very limited. We were going to try to have a space for 1,500 people, but we waited a little too long to book the hotel, and we're only able to fit around 750. So um, it's already filling up. It's going to fill up very quickly. Let's go to flippackinglive.com. This event, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow you away. So... Uh, anyway, that's all we got. Uh, without any further ado, I give you the one and only Bill Allen. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you the wonder boy, Mr. Bill Allen. Love you, man. <laughs> he loves that title, Wonder Boy, by the way. First time I heard that one. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. Thanks, everybody. I think some of the people in here might actually be more uncomfortable with that kind of loud noise like me. Um, so when Justin uh, put me on first last year, and then he said, I'm going to put you on first again this year, and he said, uh, Bill, you're like my leadoff hitter. And I said, okay, so I walk, I bunt, and I might get on first. You don't want a home run. You don't want a double or triple. We'll just get on base. That's all you want. So I'm here to warm you up with some dry material to get on first. So... Um, so um, some of you were here last year and heard my story, and others weren't, but I think Justin did a, thanks Justin did a great job of, of kind of telling it. So um, I'm going to talk today about kind of how we got from that. It was really, we, we flipped one house, and I bought a rental that year, so Justin always doubles everything that I do. Um, so we, we have really been able to scale, and that's what I, I talked at last year about scaling and how I build my team out and how I got to that point. So, but... Uh, it was such a great event last year with, um, with J my son James was going to be born. Uh, he hadn't been born yet last year, and we were unsure about what was going to happen. Um, so he was born about two or three weeks after the event. And um, so I'm just going to kind of give you an update on him. And I, I just want to thank you guys again. We raised a ton of money for the Children's Heart Foundation in James's name. And that, that was huge. Uh, my wife was almost ready to have him when I came here. So going back and telling her that story really... Uh, she wasn't as mad at me when I got home. So, um, so this is a picture of James when he was born. He was born on October 21st. And I'm going to just warn you, there's a couple of somewhat uh, graphic pictures in here after his surgeries. So if you're a little squeamish, then 
uh, look away. But th- so this is his, him after he was born. Um, this is a, maybe a, a day old. And then here's him after uh, about two months, or about a month and a half, we had to go in for surgery. So this is him after his first surgery, open heart surgery. Um, then here he is after that surgery. Uh, we brought him home, and he's happy and healthy, uh, and we were waiting for the next surgery. <laughs> so here's the next surgery. This is my last year. Um, so this is him about uh, in April time, so about almost five months old. And then here's him after that surgery at six months old, home and, and happy. Um, and then here's him and his brother now. Uh, he's almost one year old, and his, his, he's, he's doing incredible. So um, we probably have one more surgery for him, but that's, that's kind of his story and what it's been like for the last, it was about six months of our life after this event. So um, it's, been, it's been an incredible journey, and I'm just so happy to, that he's happy and healthy. So I just wanted to update you guys because I do feel like we're, we're a big family after last year for sure. So thanks. <laughs> He's, he's probably the strongest uh, little boy I've ever met. He never cries, and he's always happy, and I always, we always tell everybody that I think we've cried enough for him, so I don't think he'll ever cry his whole life. So, um, so this, is, this is what we've done um, over the past two years. Um, that, that's like two deals there in 2015. We did about 67 in 2016, and we've closed 143 this year, and we're on track to do, I think so, we'll be land somewhere in the 180s. Uh, we'll be close to 200 if we have a good December like we did last year. So... <clears throat> Last year I talked about how we kind of scaled and grew, and this year I want to talk about how, I I sat down and thought, how did I really have the ability to do that? Like, what was my one, what was that one thing that I was able to do to to do that many deals and have kind of, have the ability to maximize the profit from each of those deals? And I think that comes down to to money, Um, being able to raise money and to be able to... um, if we have something that's really good, be able to capitalize on it instead of having to pass on it or wholesale it out for a small fee. So I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to talk about today for an hour. Maybe a little less. Hopefully we get time for plenty of questions. So I'm going to shift into finding and landing private money lenders for you guys. So let's talk about how we can raise millions of dollars in our business and who we can go after. And I want to give you some tangible things that you can use um, if maybe you don't have some people in your, your family or friends or warm network, how you can go after some, some money and how we did and uh, how over the two years that's evolved into a, a very successful ability to raise money. So um, I'm gonna, the, the biggest thing you need to do is sit down right now and say, you know, how much money do I need and, and how am I going to go find it? So forecast your business for the next year. How many deals do you want to do? How much does each deal cost in your market? What are the rehab costs like? What are the holding costs? Come up with kind of that, that number that you want to go after and be aggressive. It's always great to have more money than you need, believe me. When you make that call uh, two days before closing and you have somebody who can fund that deal for you, um, you, you, need, those, you need those people. So um, I'm always raising money. Even if I have plenty for the next year, I'm going to raise more and just have the ability and have a list of people that I can go to. So um, that need for cash is going to pop up. It's just going to be... You're going to go, you know what, uh, this deal came up, I just bought four, but this thing's going to sell in a week, a- as is, let's buy it. So we have a lot of those come up that we can wholetail and really maximize the profit. So, um, so how many flips are you going to do, turn time, projected profits, all that stuff. So come up with that number and have it, and then next step, let's go find it. So then who's your target audience? Um, I think there's, there's really three people that, three different buckets that these people fit in. There's that friends, family, warm network kind of people, the people that you know, and you might not even know have a lot of money right now, and, and that's going to be your cheapest money. It might be a little harder to get, a little more work, and a little more explaining, but it's definitely going to be the cheapest and the best terms. And then you have people who are already investing in real estate, so it's probably some people in this room, people at RIA meetings, um, uh, just other people you meet that already know about it, but maybe they're at the end of their time, maybe they have a ton of rental properties, Maybe they have, uh, they're just ready to make some, some more consistent returns without having to do all the work. And then you have people who are already lending in real estate, so people that are doing private money loans. And I'm not talking about hard money lenders. I'm talking about these people that are doing loans and already have mortgages on real estate. So now we got these three buckets, and I would, I would encourage all of you to think about each of these buckets and write down a few names of who you think those friends and family are, and then maybe some people that they know. So when you reach out to these people, you can say, oh, I talked to, I talk, I'll just talk to Jim about the same opportunity. It really starts get, piquing their interest when someone that they know is also possibly talking to you about investing. So 
when you go out and talk to these people, you, you really, there's things that you want to do uh, to tempt them into investing with you. And, and, and these are things that you can do no matter where you are. So it's really a long game, in my opinion. Um, and I'll talk about it later, but that short game is, is when the rates go up. The long game is when you can land some lenders that have quite a bit of money at low interest rates because they know what you're doing, they're following you, they start to get interested. So I'm always talking about what I do. Um, it, no matter where I am, real estate seems to come up. I think we all kind of have that problem. Um, not the guy that people want to sit next to at the party because it's really all I talk about sometimes. Um, my wife tells me it consistently. So, um, but talking about what you do is, is going to make them ask you more questions. It's kind of popular now, real estate, isn't it? I mean, everybody wants to get involved and start doing it. So it's kind of the cool thing because all the TV shows. So if you're talking about it, they'll start asking you questions and get interested. Um, the undertones of what you say. So I don't just go up to somebody and say, can I borrow a million dollars for my business? It's kind of, I'm talking about lending. I'm talking about what other people are doing with me. And then if they know somebody who might be interested in investing with us, then give them my information. Really, I'm saying, if you're interested in lending to me, give me a call or let's talk about it. And that's usually where the conversation goes after that comment's made. Um, so elevator pitch, have something that's real quick that you can say about what you do. If you're a wholesaler, maybe when you go to the RIA meeting, it's, uh, you know, I find uh, off-market properties at 50% of the ARV. If you're ever looking for something like that, let's talk. And if you're a flipper, maybe it's, you know, hey, I, I renovate and resell under-market properties, and I make lenders great returns on their money passively. Um, so there's lots of different ways to shift this of how you want to come off and what you want to say, but always kind of in, pique their interest, entice them. Social media, we use this a lot, um, constantly posting on Facebook about what we're doing and keeping people interested. So Facebook has raised a lot of money for me. Um, I wrote a blog uh, for the first year of my business, and my family and friends were, were talking about it and sharing it and asking me questions about what we were doing. And every week I would write something about, hey, this is the last house we did. We'd run through it. So that's raised a lot of money for me too. Uh, podcasts, if you, you, know, you get into that kind of circuit, interviewed on a podcast, always be talking about how you're you know, you're raising capital and the kind of, you know, how you're doing for your lenders and everybody's really happy. That'll get you a little bit, start, you know, lifting you up and get some credibility. Um, so it's a snowball effect. So what I found was over the last two years, it's much easier for me now than it was originally. Um, but originally, I could use a lot of the leverage that I had of my network. So if you're in the house flipping formula or six-figure flipping or seven-figure flipping, you know, and, and you're just getting going, start talking about, you know, other people and what they're doing and how successful they are. I used to share posts of other people their flips or their rentals and stuff. And my family thought it was stuff that we were doing. They would comment on it and say, that's, that's beautiful. I can't believe you did that. And we were just sharing other people's stuff, but they loved it. So um, I didn't comment on it or correct them usually, but um, it, you know, it, I, I didn't say that it was ours. So, uh, But I just said, hey, check. If you're in Pensacola and you're looking for a nice house, check this one out. So um, you, know, you can do some of that stuff. You obviously don't want to lie to your lenders or family or friends or anything like that. But um, so here's some examples of that um, Facebook post that we have done in the past to just kind of get, get, some, and get, to get some interest going. So here's, here's one where I just said, hey, it's the end of the year. We've paid $35,000 to our investors. I want to pay ninety next year. We'll pay close to like $120,000 out to our investors this year. Um, and, that's, and that's not on you know, mortgage properties and stuff. So almost $200,000 to our investors. Here's one that I uh, ripped off of Terry last year, and uh, I think this is great. Here's a property that he, uh, that he sold, and he said, hey, with another renovation sold, nine offers, our investors earned $11,247. I mean, who's going to look at that and not be interested in how can I get involved in that? Um, my recommendation, if you guys are going to do some of this stuff, is I, I, try to keep, I try to keep their expectations in line. So I might use something that's three or $4,000 instead of fifteen dollars or $20,000. And usually questions are, how much was that? How long was the term? Things like that. But, I mean, this is, this is a great post. I'm sure Terry got plenty of activity from this, people calling, other friends and family, stuff like that. And I love he puts my investors are friends, coworkers, real estate clients, and others I've met. I mean, that's, that's gold right there. So, I'm gonna, so that's, that's kind of the, the friends, family, warm network, people that follow you people that know you, and then in real estate meetings, kind of how you talk to people. And I'll talk a little bit more about that meeting that you have with them. That's kind of how you attract them is just grow that fan base and that network and, and just people know you're the real estate guy or gal. Um, and so here's, here's that third group, right? The people that are already investing in real estate uh, on mortgages. 
So this is a great way to find people like that if you think you're, you don't have any. I hear it all the time, I don't have anybody. I don't have any rich family, aunts and uncles and parents and stuff. You still, get out there and network. But this money's going to be a little bit more expensive, but you can find people here in ListSource. So all the time, we're out looking for sellers, right, and buyers. But a lot of times, we're not looking for lenders. So here's something tangible you guys can do. Just go into list source, and there's, there's the private party lender prospects under mortgage prospects. You can click on that, and it, it almost has every, it just, it's, it's a, uh, kind of like a template for you to use. It just pulls out the data fields that you want to use, and you can click through those. Um, and what I did for, for you guys, I made a video of how I pull my list of what I do. So I'll figure out, Kyle, to share that link for everybody so you can do the walkthrough video. So I, I'll walk through this whole process of pulling lenders what I use, and then when you look at that sheet, what to pull off of that Excel file. <clears throat> so I did this for my three counties, and I got about uh, 120 lenders that are lending on real estate private. So this is not, um, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac type people. This is just uh, regular names. Um, so here's my criteria, private party first mortgage, absentees. So absentee-owned property. I don't want, like, grandma who's lending her, her daughter, uh, you know, p- putting a mortgage on her daughter's house that's living in it. Uh, corporate owned, I put no preference because LLCs and IRAs, trusts, things like that. I want to I want to capture those people. Uh, origination date, last six months to a year is probably good. I want people who are actively uh, doing mortgages. <laughs> um, so then property type, uh, you know, I don't really want people that put mortgages on land unless I'm doing land, but you can play around with that. You know, if you want commercial mortgages, uh, things like that. Um, mortgage amount, you can see, you can even see the interest rate and you can see the term. So what I think is cool is if you want, you want to buy some rentals on a 30-year note, you can see who's lending at 30 years. You can also see who's lending at one year, which is probably more like a flipping type loan. You can see who's lending at 0% for 30 years. And there's a lot of them. It's pretty crazy. So you can also see their interest rate, which when I go on that appointment, I already know what they're lending to the other people. So, so from there, what are we going to do? This, you know, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. This is really, what we do here is, it's really about, we do this with the sellers all the time, right? We pull a list, we negotiate with them, we work really hard with them to get the price down of the property. But when it comes to our lenders, it's like, what do you want? 15% interest, you know, four points. But so if you treat this whole process like you're dealing with the sellers, so we're pulling a list, we're marketing to them, what do we say, what does our card say? When we have a conversation, how do we talk to them? So that's what I, where I want your kind of mind to go when you're talking to lenders instead of just laying over and giving them whatever they want because they're going to give you their money. So from here, you can send a postcard or a professional letter to these lenders and lead with the value. So what, what we like to do is say, wait, we're, we're investing in real estate. We find lots of off-market properties at way below market value. If you're interested in that, I'd love to you know, meet with you and see if you'd be interested in buying some of our properties. I see that you're already lending on real estate, so if you're interested in doing anything like that or working with us, then let's have a conversation. So some great ideas would be that you can, I mean, you could send, send them that to start, warm them up. Hopefully they call. If they don't call, keep following up. If they're doing a lot of loans, maybe send them a gift card. I got that, stole that idea from Don. I think it's fantastic. Starbucks gift card. Have a coffee on me. Next time, maybe you'll call me and we, and we can talk. And it costs you five bucks or ten bucks to do that. Throw it in a FedEx envelope so you know that they're going to get it. Some of the like, I mean, you're talking about this guy might have a million bucks. I'm, I can pay 10 bucks for a cup of coffee and a FedEx envelope. So then you, ju- you really want to get them in person and talk. I don't like to do it over the phone or via email. There's a lot of stuff gets lost in translation. So I just want to sit down and have a friendly conversation with them to find out what their goals are in lending and, and in real estate and, and life, really, with their financial, uh, um, their financial strategy. So, so from there, now, okay, now we found the people. If we, we know the need, we found the people, we warmed them up, now we set the meeting, now we're going to meet them, now we start to get nervous, right? And really in your mindset, the first thing I want you guys to do, and, and that I do all the time, is you're, you're offering them an opportunity to invest with you. So it, you'll see at the bottom there, it says you're the prize here. So the opportun- it's an opportunity, they're not lending you money. It's a, if, you, if you need some money, I can give you some. So if you're meeting with family, make sure you set that tone that this is an investment opportunity for them, that they're, they're, it's got to be a win-win situation. So if you go into that meeting thinking that, you know, I got to go get this money, I need it, they're going to feel that. If you go into it thinking that they're doing you a favor and that's their mindset, you got to change theirs too. But you go in there 
saying, if, if I get it, great. If I don't, it's okay. I'll find somebody else. That comes out in that meeting that you talk to them. What I do is I have a, it's a consultation for me. So I just sit down and talk to them. I'm not pitching them ideas. I'm not pitching them deals. I don't come with a big package of everything, a slideshow, all that stuff. I'm just go talk to them and say, hey, where are you investing your money right now? So where's this money coming from? The biggest thing for me, if this money is coming from an emergency fund that you're going to call me in a week and you're going to need it back if hurricane rolls through and a tree falls on your house, I don't want that money. I want the money that is an investment for you guys. So, so what's it making right now? So a lot of people will go into that meeting and say, you know, hey, we pay two points and 12% to our lenders. Are you interested in that? This person might not even know what a point is. And some people that you meet with, they might think that's a little bit of a scam. They're used to making 4 or 5% or even 1% or 2%. So I always ask, what is your money making now? What do you want it to make? And then if it's really low, I usually say, well, hey, what if I can do better than that? And, or I've heard some, hey, what if I could so I make a 2%? What if I could double it? Oh, you can double it, 4%. That's fantastic. I bet if I gave anybody in this room 4% money, they'd run out of here screaming and f- skip the rest of the conference. So, but that's out there. It really is. I mean, you can, you can find that money, and they're really happy with those kind of returns. It's a, different, it's a different mindset you need to put in. Don't think about how your money works, because it's totally different with, with certain people and lenders and sophistication of those lenders. And we're not ripping them off. They're happy. They're, they're secure in that investment, and, and you're making them good money. So I've bumped a few of my lenders up over time when I know I can afford it, and it's family, friends, those kind of people, and they're that adds more, you know. I bump them up one percent; they love it. They, they're, they're putting. Five, how can I put more money in there? So, um, the amount and the time frame. So I got to find out how much they're talking about because I'll go to some. I'll have conversation with people and they have five or ten thousand dollars, and it's just at this point it's too much work to manage that, and their expectations are really high. I can't do a lot with it, so. I usually, in that conversation, I get to the point of what are we talking about, how long will it take, kind of where is the money right now, and it's also an educational time for me. I'll talk about the IRAs and 401ks and some self-directing that they can do that they've never heard of before, so that's where the majority of people's money is going to be, and if you're smart about that and you know how to talk to them about solo 401ks and self-directed IRAs, you can really harness a lot of that retirement money. And that's the money that they don't really care about, right? They don't need a payment every month. They don't need a payment every quarter. That's balloon payments, long-term type money, fairly low interest rates. So find out their goals. You want to meet their goals, right? It's got to be a win-win for, you, for both of you. So I want them to be happy. I don't want anybody to feel like they got a bad deal when they walked out of there. Because it's just not a good situation. You want to, you want those lenders to really be happy working with you. My lenders will add more money. They'll save up money and add another twenty thousand on top of what they're doing because they've seen great returns and and it's consistent. So, and again, you know, you're the prize. They they need you more than you need them. So if you have that mindset when you go into these meetings, you're going to walk out of there with the money. And like I said, it might not be that day. It's it's a it's a bit of a long term game sometimes. But as you keep planting these seeds. It, it comes to fruition over time, and you'll see it snowball. I don't want to get into this too much, but um, we, when we go talk to sellers, and you hear sales coaches talk all the time about the personality of the seller and how you have to sometimes make a shift, and you can't always have the same presentation to the seller to sell the same way, uh, depending on, yeah, there's colors, and there's personalities, and there's all these different things. Like, I'm a red, so if you're going to come in and talk to me at my house, I, I'm an engineer, I need the numbers, I, don't, you know, I'm not going to be your best, you don't be my best friend to sell me. Show me why, how it's going to benefit me. And then somebody else might be a little more, you know, you want to be your friend, spend time, sit in the kitchen for an hour and talk about the price. And, and you get to the price after the hour and then they kick you out. So, um, but this is the same way. I mean, these triggers, they, they want friendship. Like we talked about, they, they might want somebody to be their friend and be involved in this process and, and in real estate. And then there's being consistent and just you know, doing what you say you're going to do it goes a long way with the lenders, for sure. Um, reciprocity, you know, they, they want to give back when they get. Um, and then a, a sense of belonging. So those people that want to be part of the real estate business right now because it's, it's big and popular right now, right? So if they're investing with you passively, they can talk about that flip that they're involved in or invested in or um, things like that with their friends and family. So if you if they go that route, if they're excited about that, then get them more involved, show them pictures, stuff like that. So... Um, so I threw this in terms, so these are all the things you want to think about, and the reason I put this in the presentation is really, you can vary the terms one way or another to benefit you, so if you want, maybe they want a little bit higher interest rate, maybe you can do a little longer term, or a longer balloon, 
or something like that. And you can, you know, you can move things up and down to make it a win-win for both parties. So it doesn't, it's not always about the term, like the interest rate. It, you know, you can mix it up. Somebody might want some consistent payments, monthly payments. And maybe you can do that, but it's a give and take, right? It's a negotiation. So, hey, if you want monthly payments, that's fine. But I, I can't do 8% on monthly payments. I can only do 6 and then maybe they say, well, okay, well, then maybe I don't need monthly payments if I want to make 8%. Okay, well, how about a two-year balloon, and we'll just work it for two years, and then we'll pay it back with all the interest. Or maybe you work interest-only payments quarterly. So find out what they need. Have that conversation with them. If you know what they need and they're communicating with you, then you can figure out a way to spin it to your benefit. And a lot of times what I'll do is if they want something, same thing with the sellers, I'll kind of I'll kind of put them where I want them, right? So I'll give them a really good kind of what I think they want, and what, what, where, what I want, where I want them. So I want them at an interest rate and a term. And then I'll, bring, I'll, I'll give them another option, right, that I don't really want them in, but it might seem more attractive on a rate, but the term is a little worse. To get them to pick this option that I want them in, so I'll just manipulate the numbers a little bit and give them two options so they feel like they're picking which one. And a lot of times, if they pick this one, it's where I want them. But if they pick the one that's a little bit worse, but a little bit better for me, then it's a win-win. I won. They feel like they got what they wanted. It's a win-win. So you can kind of manipulate this a little bit. Um, and the ease of getting the money is, is really important. So if you need money quick, you're going to pay more. If you've got time and you can wait and you've got 45 days or 60 days to fund this deal, you can start going after some of this money. But as the time ticks down, and you want to have those people too. You want to have the people that you can call up that will fund your deal in, in an hour. It's going to cost you more, but if it's a good deal, you can afford it. So. so this is where most people start and get start worrying about paperwork and how do I do this. And I think this is probably going to be some of the theme of this, of this, this three days is we get, it, we, get these, we get scared about all this stuff, paperwork, contracts, you know, what, what do we do after this? But we haven't even started in the beginning. So start in the beginning with the mindset Start putting out the content to find the people to start kind of mining for that gold. Start get, you know, going, at, going after them, talking to them, having meetings with them. Drill down some terms, and then you can worry about this. If it's your first private lender, just say, you know, hey, I, I haven't done this before either, so let's figure it out together. You know, somebody can do the paperwork. There's, there's plenty of people in here that have done this paperwork over and over again. So that's why we're here in this community. We can help each other and share our, our notes and mortgages and stuff. So... Unsecured money is just kind of, you know, it's a kind of money to the business, promissory note type thing. Um, it, you can record it in, in counties. You can keep it unrecorded and, and keep it in your records. But this is money that's not really tied to a property. <clears throat> then you have secured money, which is, uh, it's a mortgage or a deed of trust, depending on where you are. Most title companies will do this. It might cost you a couple hundred bucks. But title companies or attorneys can draft up this paperwork very easy and do all the recording. So, um, so these are the, kind of the two ways that we will will work with lenders. Um, and the paperwork is is really pretty easy. I mean, you could even have an attorney just draw draw up one at one time if you wanted to, or borrow somebody else's, find it on the internet, whatever you guys are going to do. I'm not an SEC attorney, by the way. Um, so the so then. This is kind of the boring part, right? We got the money now. We got the note. We're using the money. And now we got the accounting portion. So just, I just want to cover this. Make sure you get W-9s from your lenders so they're getting 1099s at the end of the year. And let them know. You might have a conversation about taxes with them really quickly. Um, so this is like active income, unless it's in an IRA or 401k, which is where I like to put my lender's money if I can. So when you're giving them this kind of concierge service where you know, you're talking them through all of this so they know it all up front, they feel really comfortable working with you. It's almost like you're, you know, a real estate financial advisor type, type person. So, um, and, you know, my bookkeeper does this for us, and, and it might be you right now, but, you know, have someone manage this. So don't forget about the fact that um, you're going to have to send out 1099s at the end of the year. And then, this is a little tip for you. Last year, we have some unsecured notes. So we reset all our notes at the end of the year last year because we made a lot more profit last year than I thought we were going to make, and my tax bill was going to be really big. So I have some people in IRAs and 401ks that didn't care. That they, so maybe their note ran out in January, February, or March of 2017. I reset them all in December and wrote them a new note. I compounded their interest in 2016 and realized that, that interest in 2016. But I didn't actually pay the interest because we, ballooned the note, we rolled the note into the, another year. So they made a little bit more money by compounding. I was able to write off about $50,000 of interest last year at the end of the year. And we're using it this year, and 
I can't continue to do that because I'm just rolling my tax bill over and over and over again. But I think it worked out really well for us last year. And this year, I'm probably going to pay for it. So <clears throat> that's how we, that's what, we're going to pay taxes at some point, right? So, um, so now, this is the most important part of all this, right? We've got lenders. We want them to stay. It's one thing to land a lender and, and start using their money and seeing some success. But we've got to manage the, that lender and that personality, right? So what I like to do, if, if a lender's ever contacting me saying, How's, how's the house going, or um, how's my money doing, is it safe, is it okay? I'm, I'm not doing my job. So I really want to manage those lenders and, and really keep them updated. So what, what I did personally was I, I, hired, a, um, I hired a girl for, on Facebook. I said, you know, we, we raise a lot of money on Facebook and the blog, so, and people look at that and they follow that. So I want you to go around and do Facebook Lives on all the properties each week, pick, a, pick some different properties and do it, and that way our lenders can follow on if they want. And the other thing I do is I talk to them about how involved they want to be. So do you want to be the guy who gets an email every week about your property, or do you never want to hear from me again? And when I have a little lender ledger, and on the side I, I kind of put their personality. They need to hear from me once a week, or they need to hear every quarter. And then, so then I know each lender might be a little bit different. If you've got a really high workload lender, it might not be somebody you want to work with too long as the money starts getting a little cheaper. You might talk to him or, or her and say, hey, I don't know. I heard Don yesterday say I had to fire one of my lenders. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> so, and I, th- I think that's it. You know, it, you know, they, they're working with you and you're working with them. So, if they increase your workload too much and they're a strain on your team, hey, you got to have a conversation with them. Same thing goes for rates. Over time, as rates start coming down, I have conversations with my lenders. So, typically, the way the conversation goes there is, you know, and, and I didn't really get into this too much. But when you're there at the pitch, the biggest thing is. A lot of times the question you'll get is, how much do you pay, right? And then I always turn around and say, how much do you want? Like, what, what, what are you thinking? And sometimes they say 15%. And it's the same as a seller. Like when I say, I want to give you $50,000 for your house, and they say they're going to burn it before they sell it to me and kick me out. It's the same kind of thing. I'm like, in a way, I'm paying you 15%. But I stay quiet for a little bit and think about it. And then I say, well, you know, I, I can do 15%, no problem. But you're going to be the last guy that I call on this deal. So, I, and I have a list of lenders, and I'll put you on there, and I'll put you down at 15%. And I, this conversation usually goes to, well, if you were at 8%, then I would use your money every day. Or if you're at 6% and five-year balloon, I would I'd never give you your money back. You, you'd make money forever with me. But if you want to be at 15%, I might be able to use it for a month or two or three months here and there or never. So if that's what you want, that's okay. But, you know, um, I think you need to get a little more realistic and we just have that conversation. And then they, usually, I've had a conversation with those guys, and they came down to eight. They started at 15 and came to eight. So just by saying, I don't think I can use your money that, and they want it working all the time, right? So that's kind of just how the negotiation goes a little bit, where they don't really feel like they're getting negotiated with. Um, but you've got to manage those personalities. So I do a quarterly email update that I blind CC all the lenders on. And then I'll kind of follow up uh, of the company. So how's the company doing, health of the company? Um, uh, how many houses have we done? What's the team looking like now? What's our projection for next year? Almost like, you know, you do just, I mean, you're running a, a real company, right? So this is the CEO sending out some, some information to their lenders. So, and I think that that helps. I just did one and... I got about $100,000 more from them, people, three people just adding money to what they had with us already. Um, just because I, if I didn't send that email, they probably wouldn't have called me up to say, hey, do you want another 20 or 30 grand? So you send that out, keep them updated, keep them intrigued and excited about the growth of your business. Um, it's like a quarterly newsletter. Um, and then we use fo- uh, f- Facebook and, and photos and stuff like that. Send them photos if you need to. Those Facebook Lives, sometimes I'll just... <laughs> I don't know if I should say this. I tag them on some of their properties sometimes. You guys are like, I'm going to go see who's tagged on his properties, and that's his lender. But we, um, I'll tag them on the properties and say, hey, check this one out. It's looking really good. It's going to go on the market next week on Facebook, and they, they seem to like that. That's, that's pretty much it. Uh, the biggest thing for me is, and coming back to some references, I mean, I've said it a hundred times in here uh, in seven-figure flipping. I don't really have a lot of original ideas, and I don't really any, actually, in real estate investing. I've stolen everything that I do from all the people that I've met and books that I've read. 
So if you go read this book, Getting the Money, I pretty much just ripped off her whole book on this presentation um, with a little twist on what I like to do. Um, but, and some of you guys that have read it are probably like, I already know this stuff. But really, I think it comes to the mindset of, of you and how you're, how you're working with these lenders and how you go into these meetings. And don't roll over for them. If you treat them like sellers, but also like friends and family, and once they start investing with you, you really treat them right and treat them well, um, I think that's, that's the way to go. The other one is this uh, self-directed IRA handbook. It's pretty dated these days, but I really like the information on it. And I mean, I would recommend you go talk to uh, some self-directed IRA custodians. If you don't already have one and you want to start raising capital from people that do, uh, figure out what the application process is like. And if you don't have one, open one or, or just talk to them about what the process is because I really hold people's hands through this process. And I think, it, I think it helps. If I can see them all the way through from start to finish, and I've done it myself, and I have a self-directed IRA and a solo 401k that I use in real estate, and I lend with it. And when I tell them, this is what I do with my money, it's even easier to, to bring them over to that too. So it's a pretty good book, and it gives a lot of information about self-directed IRAs and 401ks. Um, I also made a video um, recently of how to set up a self-directed IRA and 401k because I'm tired of holding people's hands through it. So I just made a little video of how, how you go from start to finish all the way to the end that I've been sending to some of my lenders that want to set them up, and then I'll follow up with it. So I'll find a way to get that to you guys too. Now, granted, it's only with the custodian that I use, so every custodian will be a little bit different, but I highly recommend you guys kind of try to, you can see I'm automating these processes a little bit. Um, I find that you know, after the third or fourth lender that I had to help set up an IRA, I was tired of it. So I just made the video, and then I'll follow up with them over time. But send them the video, follow up with them a few days later, ask them how it's going. Have you set up your account? How did it work? So. Um, some IRA custodians are much better than others. That, that some are full service; it costs a little bit more, and some you have to do all the paperwork yourself. And it it can be intimidating for those people that have never heard of it before. So, so, and that's pretty much it. I'd like to. I want to leave. Hopefully, I didn't go over. I want to leave plenty of time for questions. If you guys have some, Justin, I have some time for some questions. Yeah, or? you have like yeah, fifteen minutes. Okay. So I mean, you, and you can hit me with anything. It doesn't have to be on on investing or like working with private money and stuff like that. I'll... Yeah, what do, you, uh, what do you want to do? Do you have a microphone for them or anything? Or are they just, uh, Sherry, anybody? Yeah, we're Kel. <laughs> hey, you just yell this one out and I'll repeat it. Okay. What's your name? Rebecca, where are you from? Salt Lake City. Uh-oh, here you go, Andy. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, so I, I try to work to about a 45 to 50. I want to be over 50% gross margin. Um, I don't really have it broken down into all expenses and marketing and everything, but um, I was growing a lot this year, so I'll probably be around a 35% gross margin, like net to me um, this year. But I, I, I track that very closely. I want to be over 50%. I think 55% is achievable in the business I have set up. Um, once I hire myself out to a COO or something, it's probably be cut in half. So, but... Yeah, did I answer your question? I, okay, did she, uh, I don't know. For the record, she asked about my, sorry, my, uh, what percent goes to expenses of my, my income? Justin Morgan. Oh, sorry. She's going to hand the mic. Hi there. You've got to stand up if you're going to ask a question. <laughs> We're going to embarrass you a little bit. So the challenge I have when I prepare a presentation to a potential lender is that, you know, they want to see the breakdown of the property, how much the acquisition, what the potential... Uh, cost to repair it and all of that and then they see how much profit because they only see their interest that they're going to be making how do you break it down in your own presentation so why do you why do they want that are they tell you that they want that well they want to see that there's equity in the property so that they're protected okay yeah and a lot of times i will i will do that i'll break so i'll break down if we're doing it on a mortgage Um, so typically what i do is i have the conversation with the lender before that so I, and I know that they want to invest with me before that, and we have already come up with terms and, and uh, interest rate before that. So I know what they're, what they're looking for, and then I start sending them prop, then I would send them a property. So we would already be, have like a handshake deal or have a plan of where do you want to be at and have that conversation ahead of time so that we, I don't have to risk having that conversation later where they say, you're going to make 35000 and I'm going to make three. Yeah, but if that conversation comes up, and it, it may, then you just tell them everything that you're doing and everything that they're doing. They're sending you a wire, and you're doing everything else. 
you know, you're doing all the work, you're hiring the contractor, you're dealing with the phone calls, and then just say, hey, it's, if it's easy, then maybe you don't want to lend, maybe you want to flip houses. And they say, well, you know, I kind of would rather just sit in my living room and watch TV. How are you getting away with unsecured? And I know that we can totally do it, but you know, most people want to have their money protected and have a deed of trust. Yeah, that conversation usually comes to lenders that don't have as much money. Um, and, so, and that comes up a lot, right? I got 20000 or I have 25000 Well, you know, every, every house we buy is $200,000. So that, that's usually how that conversation goes. And then sometimes the people are just like, you know what? And the way that I spin that is... Well, if it's on a deed of trust or a mortgage, your money might be working 9 out of 12 months. I try to work it all the time, every day, so I'll try to close you on the 10th of October and buy another one on the 11th. Sometimes that doesn't work, and then I'll have to wire your money back. You'll have to wire your money back to me, and you're going to have to sign a satisfaction of mortgage. You're going to have to get it notarized. You're going to have to send it back, and then we'll wire back and forth over and over again. Maybe we'll do three of those a year. Your money won't be working for two months. So your 12% return really turns into like 9.5% or 10% return. But what if I could give you 10% all year? Or what if I could give you 9% all year and you don't have to do any of that work? So that's kind of how I get them where I want them with my pitch, right? So I always try to work their money 12 months out of the year. But if I want them a little bit lower and I want it unsecured, then that's usually how I'll go down that road. Uh, first of all, Bill, uh, thank you, brother, for your service. Oh, really you're welcome. appreciate it. Yeah. It's my honor. Uh, you talked about list source and finding lenders with list source. Uh, what is the geography that you do? How much do those leads cost you? Um, how, how do you approach them just singularly or like with a mass shock and awe program? How do you do that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you can do any geography you want. You, it's the same as looking at sellers. So the first tab will be, it could be area code, city, zip code. Uh, so I would recommend, you know, in your market, pull your market. Um, I mean, you could really go like your hometown even. Maybe some people that you know in there, or hey, I'm from that area. And uh, like I live in Nashville, so maybe I could pull Nashville and see if anybody wants to do some mortgages with us in Chattanooga or, or even Pensacola. So the lenders aren't really lo- hyper-local. They might be, but... Um, so geography is very easy. You can do whatever you want, and it's just like pulling sellers in list source. Um, let's see. The other question was, uh, oh, how much does it cost? Um, it just depends on kind of the list source deal that you have. Um, we have a great one in the, in the seven-figure group at three cents a name, so that's what it costs me. Um, most people are somewhere around 12 to 15 cents a name probably. But if you're only pulling like 100 names, I, I wouldn't worry about that. If you're making a list of 50,000, it becomes a lot more expensive. So... Um, that's, was there another part to that question? Oh, yeah, a shock and awe program. That's right, I forgot. Yeah, just like you could do a postcard. Like, hey, here's like that, that thing that Terry had up there, a picture of a house that he did, and my lender made this. You could even just send that on the postcard and on the back have a little message of give me a call or here's, here's, our, here's our website um, for more credibility for us. But, yeah, like I said, I'm not really the shock and awe guy. I don't show up with a bunch of stuff. I just want to have a conversation like me and you going out to have, have a sandwich. And let's just talk about you. And I don't even get to the, really, a lot of times get to the numbers in the first meeting. Let's just have a conversation. And one thing I didn't touch on, you know, really check with the SEC regulations on, on who you're talking to. So if, if I was sending a postcard like that to somebody I don't know, I'm going to get to know them for a while before I even present them an offering. So we're going to have a couple meetings, probably like three or four meetings inside of 45 days or so before I even start to give them an offering um, of a security. So just... Again, I'm not an SEC attorney, but I'm sure he would, somebody like that would give you some advice about just know the rules before you present an offering. Hi. Hi. Um, I was wondering, do you offer a minimum to them, like three months, six months? Let's knock down three minutes. Is your name Meg? Mel. Mel. Yeah. Okay, Mel. You're Becca's friend, right? I am. Okay. Uh, what was the question again? Do you offer your lenders a minimum of three months or six months? Um, I have in the past. Um, so it's just kind of depending on, but no, I, I wouldn't. I mean, first you, we're your money, while your money's working, it's, it's getting paid this. Um, but you could, um, okay. certainly uh, not out of the question. If there was a deal that I knew I was going to be in and out in a month and it wasn't very attractive to them and I can afford it, I might, put, I might give them like a minimum of two months. It kind of goes to that to negotiation, right? If I, if I feel like they're pulling away from me, and they're like, yeah, this isn't really that exciting to me. I might say, well, you know, hey, what if, yeah, what if I could give you a minimum of three months? 
and I know it's going to be in there only for a month and a half or two. And then that keeps them coming back. So, again, just all variable. Just, you know, keep it, reel them in and keep them in. So, whatever you need to do and you can afford in the deal. Hey, Bill, thanks for coming in today. Awesome presentation. Quick question for you is, those of us that are new, how did you scale from two to 200 in two years? Because, I mean, that's a massive... How much time do we have? Yeah, just Four a quick minutes. snippet on yeah, okay. I'll, your I'll, network, I'll, your I, I was asked that before the, before, the, before the thing here, too. And I, I really do think it was, it was some access, you know, being able to, to bring in capital to be able to grow, because it takes money to grow, right? So when you can start making bigger profits and closing these deals and making money, then I can grow my team uh, faster. Um, I think it's, number one, it was the people that I was surrounded with to start, right? So this group of people, this be, sitting around everybody that's here and just showing me that it's possible and it's doable and they're just normal people, right? So if, if we were sitting next to each other on a plane, and I, if I sat to, next to Andy on an airplane, I have no idea what his business was. He's just a normal, great, everyday guy, you know? Same with Justin. Like, I, I really, when I got, when I saw that in, in a room, it just allowed me, and they gave me this permission, and I'm sure that they'll talk, but you'll hear this theme. But they gave me the permission to do more than I thought was ever possible. So in doing that, it, it allowed me to, to have a bigger, a bigger plan to, to want to do more. I only want to do like 150000 a year. I thought that would be great for me, make, make that for my family. And, 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 never saw, and then I, have a surround, I was able to hire and train a great team. And the attitude that we have in the company right now, there's just great people surrounded, surrounding me. And they've been able to, they do it. I mean, I don't do it. I just kind of manage them and put them in the right position and empower them to, to make, make great decisions and, and buy houses and go out and work hard for, for us as a group. And they work with me. They don't work for me. I mean, we all work together and we're all a, a great team. So without those people, we never would have done this. I mean, I never even imagined this either. So they are hungry too. You know, I, I got them hungry to want to do more. And when they're hungry, they want to do more. I mean, they want to see, and now they make great money. And so now for me, it's, it's seeing them be successful inside of our company. That's the most fulfilling thing now. It's not about the number of deals or the money. It's about taking care of those people and seeing them grow inside the company. And what we've, we've created this environment that's allowed them to flourish and do more. And, you know, seeing somebody make six figures inside of your company is a big deal when they've never done it before. It's really cool. So I think just, you know, having that feeling and that attitude and that drive. And, um, and we took, I took a lot of action, you know. Um, if somebody says do something, I just did it. And then we figured it out. Took the data and see if it did it work or not work. And went from there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want to answer that here. Uh, I. I don't know. Um, what what are, what is my favorite custodian? IRA custodian. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, I don't think it's really the platform for that. Uh, I we can talk after I tell you who I use. You're going to see who I use on the video anyway. So, um, I I've only used one. So. Here, let me just, I'll, I'll go into IRA custodians for one second. I just wanted one that, that um, had, a, had a government backing on the money that was in the bank, right? And then I also wanted to, uh, I mean, there might be some IRA custodians in the room here. So, I, And I also wanted somebody who had low fees and didn't charge for the amount of money that my people had in their account. So what I found was a lot of custodians that based on the amount of money, they'll charge a percentage of that. So I wanted something that was fair to my lenders um, and, and just a fixed fee. So I use one that just has a fixed fee. So, um, and I think it's like 275 bucks a, a year. So, so uh, I've only ever thought of loans as tied to one specific property. How do you, can you explain kind of the structure of an unsecured loan and how that works, how you use that on multiple deals? Yeah, so sometimes uh, somebody might have a small amount of money that uh, they will lend to the company on a promissory note. And what we'll do is we'll just kind of use it. At, maybe it's rehab costs or maybe it's a, a down payment when we bring in like a commercial bank lender or something on some of these. Um, and from there, we just kind of bounce it around. It's up to me to manage it and use it. Um, I just say be careful with that because, you know, if it's not secured to something, you want to make sure that you're up front with your lender about um, what, what's going to happen with this money and what you're doing with it um, so you're not promising them that it's on a property when it's not. So we just, we might borrow it and, and use it in 
um, for the renovation costs on one of the properties. You might get a, a lender in on 100% of the purchase and then use that money on the renovation costs. But um, just be careful with how much money and how many of those you're doing because there's plenty of regulations on that. You can look up the blue sky law for different states. There's tons of states in here. So just be careful on, on you know, taking too much of other people's money like that. But that's kind of how we structure it, yeah. Make it good. It's the last one. Yeah. I'm uh -oh. just kidding. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I know. Um, I don't know how good it is. What is a good rate on hard money? What, what's what it, good points? What's a good interest rate? Um, Eight. I mean, clearly, if, five is it is your amazing. first deal? If it's your first deal, the, the best rate is whoever will do the deal, and you can make the money. You know, like take take what you get. You know, like, but Fair if it, but you know, for me, like I, the most, the pretty much on average, we're paying about an uh, average of nine percent. Okay. Um, but what what I will say is, as you get more, as you get further down the road, at the beginning, it might be hard. It might be a 50-50 partner. That's the most expensive. It might be a sixty-forty partner. That's taking 60% of the deal, but they're putting up all the money and you got no risk. So, so as you go along and get more successful, you're working maybe from there to hard money. Now you're taking all the risk. And then you might go to some more private money, but it's a, more expensive. And then you go to that friends and family money that's 6% as you get some more credibility. And then, like right now, we have, we've been following up with all these people. And I'll say follow up. Once they get into your network, follow up with them over and over and over again. Because we just followed up with a bank for a year, and we, we have now one point and about 5.5% interest on like a million bucks from a commercial bank that can close in 12 days. So, I mean, when you, get, when you start getting, and I followed up with that guy for a year, and I sent him referrals and everything. So it took a long time to get that relationship going. But, you know, my answer is like whatever it takes to get the deal done and make money wherever you are in that business in your time. But as you evolve... You know, always try to get the cost of money down because that's just more money in your pocket over and over. So, welcome. Llewellyn! All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed uh, that incredible presentation from Bill Allen. Bill is an amazing person, one of our coaches here with House of HQ, and we're incredibly grateful to have him on the team. So, anyway, if you have not yet purchased your tickets, go to fliphackinglive.com. They will sell out. They will sell out soon. We have sold out every year, and the demand this year is higher than ever. So go to fliphackinglive.com to get your early bird tickets now, and we will see you there. And until then, have a great week. Get out there. Um, do things that other people won't. You guys always hear me talking about consistent and persistent actions is what will get you there. Uh, recently, I've been listening to The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. And he talks about he, he talks about he talks about pig-headed determination, right? Like any successful entrepreneur, business person, or anything I know, athlete, whatever it might be, they have pig-headed determination, and that's what it takes in this business. Surrounding yourself with the right people, getting the right kinds of coaches, get the right, getting the right kind of coaching and education, and then having pig-headed determination, right? Like nothing out there is going to stop you. So if you're currently in a spot where you're struggling, have that pig-headed determination and just get, get back up, right? Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face, uh, but it doesn't matter. You're going to get punched in the face. Things are going to happen. You're going to fall. Get back up again. Keep going. Have that pig-headed determination, consistent and persistent over a long period of time with the right coaches, surrounding yourself with the right people, going to Flip Packing Live. Those are the things that are going to get you there. So... All right, guys, that's all I got. Have a great week, and we will talk to you next time on the House Flipping HQ podcast. Bye-bye. This has been the House Flipping HQ podcast. Your, your ultimate house flipping resource for intelligent real estate investing and financial freedom. Check out amazing tutorials, blogs, how-tos, and other inspiring podcasts with house flipping experts at houseflippinghq.com. Houseflippinghq.com.